right in. Um, you know, I usually start out with something just a little bit funny, just to get it started and make you think of a little bit. I try to relate them to the topic that I have, and, and this one is no different. Two construction workers are working together, and they're taking their lunch break. And they open up their lunch boxes, and as they open them up, one of them looks into his lunch box and says out loud, not baloney again. I can't believe it. I hate baloney. This is the third time this week I've had baloney. I can't stand baloney. Well, the other one looked at him and replied, why don't you just ask your wife to make you something different? He replied, oh, I don't have a wife. I made these myself. <laughs> the fact is, most of the baloney in our lives, we put there ourselves. We put the stuff in our own lunch boxes. We do the things, and then we get upset when it doesn't work. So from this same baloney that we've been serving ourselves, we need to break the routine of the baloney that's in our lives. Now, we're going to be reading, and I'm not going to read all of it at this point. I just wanted to get something started so that you guys knew where we were coming from. And you can look in this scripture yourself and be amazed when you see things that just like, I never saw this before. I, I didn't know about this. This is one of those types of sermons. Maybe you have heard about this. Maybe you've read it. But this is, and if you remember, the last two sermons that I preached were on the book of Acts. And so remember, this is a transition point from where uh, the gospel started with Jesus Christ on the cross. He died. All of a sudden, they had this outbreaking. They were all unified. Remember, it was all about getting people together and everybody being on the same page, focused toward one goal, not a bunch of different goals going out there, one goal saying this is where we're headed. We are now, I'm, gonna, I'm jumping quite a bit ahead. Now, if you'll remember, there was a transition from this guy that was killing Christians, Saul. Saul was killing these Christians, and he got on the road to Damascus, and his eyes were opened, and he saw something new, and there was a change. Aren't you glad there's changes in our lives sometimes? Aren't you glad that there's some things that need to change, and you're saying, dear God, make this happen, and you go, wait, I've been the problem the whole time. I need to get out of the way and let God do what he's going to do. Sometimes we can be focused on our own selves. Where, where, what do I get out of this? What is the best thing for me? And it's really about just get out of the way and let God do his stuff. And we need to, say, we need to have a mind change. If you remember in Romans it says, and our minds to be conformed to what he wants. We need to have changes like that in our lives. And so remember Paul, Saul, was uh, on the road to Damascus. He was killing Christians and just was a, a, a Pharisee. He was a leader of the church and didn't believe all this Jesus stuff. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to him and he was blinded 
for three days and then he was converted. Now, I want you to think about this. This guy, Saul, now it's been seven years that he's been away, that he hasn't been persecuting Christians. He's been back in his hometown. And then all of a sudden, this guy by the name of Barnabas, Barnabas says, hey, this Saul guy, he seems like a pretty sharp character. He knows all the laws and stuff. I want him to go with me on this missionary trip to go visit this, these people in this town, and then we will try to get the gospel to them because he's back on fire in his own hometown. And so he then leaves and goes with Barnabas. And as they go out and they start this missionary journey, uh, Saul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, this is new territory now. Again, it's been seven years. So it isn't brand new from when Christ was on the cross and because it was even before the seven years ago that that happened. But now this transition is this guy who used to be against everybody now is really trying to share the gospel. I'm not going to have you stand for the reading of the word unless you want to. How many of you would like to stand? Raise your hand. Okay, I'll let you, I'll let you just listen to the word, and then I'm going to read four verses. I'll tell you what, I'm sorry. Let's just, let's stand for four verses. I think it's important for us to stand for the reading of the word. I know that you've already stood many times, and so I'm, that's why I reduced it also. Here, Acts chapter 15. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas, two different guys, had no small dissension and dispute with them, these two guys that are saying you got to be circumcised, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So, being on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia, Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, hometown, this is where it all started, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. God bless your, bless the reading of your word this morning. Help us to learn from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, we have to understand here, this Paul and Barnabas are out ministering, and all of a sudden they come up in this town with this church, and the people of the church say, well, we, we were told that we aren't allowed to become Christians because we're not going to get circumcised. Well, who told you that? Well, these two guys, and then the two guys were there. And there was some discussion about, well, why are you telling them this? And why is this making it seem like um, you've got to follow certain rules? We have to understand that in this scripture, we see these two that are out trying to minister, 
and all of a sudden, don't you hate it when you get up against somebody that has their own way of believing and it's just wrong? You know it's wrong. You know that they shouldn't be that way. You know that they shouldn't act that way. But then what do you do? There's only so much you can do. And then you just got to say, you're not getting what we're saying. You're not understanding it. So we're going to go above our head, above your heads and get this resolved. So you take it to a higher power. That's why there's so many, the courts in our system, you go to a certain court. And if you want to get, if they don't agree with you, you can go to a court above them. And if they don't agree with you, you can go all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court then says, take it back to this other court or whatever they're going to do. So it's all about the authority level saying, this is our policy. This is what we're going to stand by. Now, I want to go ahead and read the rest of this scripture just so that you get the understanding of, of what it's telling us and what this story is. Remember, this is Acts chapter 15. And I'm going to be starting with verse 5. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles, remember all these guys are Jews. you got to follow our rules. But the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. The apostles. 11 disciples, 12 disciples with Mattathias, they and, and all the elders of the church were now coming together. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while, remember this is Peter, the guy that's the head of the church at that time, he says, uh, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by the mouth of the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, and acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers, fathers nor we were able to bear. We weren't able to bear. We weren't able to follow the laws that you're putting on these new Christians because remember back in the Old Testament, all these guys, there were laws, and what did the Jews do when they got out of Egypt? They built a golden calf. What did they do? They, they tried to, they married uh, women outside of their faith. So they weren't able to follow the laws, but they want to make everybody else follow the laws. Don't you hate it when some people, some people just say, you've got to do it this way. You don't do it that way. Well, don't do as I do, but do as I say. It's not the way it's supposed to be. If there's a rule, then let's either follow it or get it out of the way. Verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. 12, then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them and the Gentiles. 
And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take the people out for his name. And when this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, this is a quote from the Old Testament. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up. And so the rest of the mankind may see the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. Even all the Gentiles. This was the Old Testament. This was before Gentiles came to the faith. This was knowing that this is going to happen in the future. Says the Lord who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles, the new Christians that are coming in, who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled and from blood. For Moses had through the generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. In, in my scripture, it says here, this is called now the Jerusalem Decree. Verse 22, then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, also called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men from among the brethren. They wrote this letter, the apostles, elders, and the brethren to the brethren who are Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some, of, some who went out from us troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same thing by word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. That's, that's the end of the reading. I want you to understand that these two people that we started out with that were coming and, go, and going out to this town, these two people were called Judaizers. Judaizers were from the congregation of Antioch and taught Gentiles in order to become Christians that they had to have circumcision. Basically, they had to do all the rules from the Old Testament that the Jews were following. It's very difficult for some Jewish Christians to accept that Gentiles could be brought into the same faith without doing all the laws and restrictions that the Jews were having to do. It's one thing to accept occasional God-fearing people, someone already with um, close to sympathetic, sympathetic views with, um, with Jews, 
it was quite another to welcome large numbers of Gentiles coming in and seeming like they're taking over. And they don't have to do the same things that we have to do in order to go to heaven or to get saved. These Christians, these believers, these, these two men, I want you to think and understand that there's no difference between them and people today. There are still some people that when they see somebody come into a church and they don't know who they are, they don't want to open up an arm of love. Wait a minute, I saw them at the bar last week. I saw their name in the newspaper. There's no way that, there's no way that God's going to forgive them. Look, their name's in the newspaper again. But they keep coming to church. Why do they keep coming to church if they're going to keep doing the things that they did before? Well, we as a... We as a group of people don't like you coming to our church anymore because your name keeps getting put in the newspaper. God help us. God help us not to be people that judge other people because of problems that they have had years growing up with and dealing with and us not showing them love. And aren't you thankful for the grace of God that forgives and just allows people to come? And they don't have to come and everything has to be fixed all at once. There's going to be growth. There's going to be changes. There's going to be, I never saw that in the Bible before. God got a hold of me this week and really talked to me about this issue. Wait, the board didn't tell you? The church didn't tell you? The people of the church no, they, they're just loving people. They just, they just want to help me out. And we say, dear God, please help me to get out of the way so that changes can be made in people's life and me not be a, a stumbling block to them. These men were out saying that you've got to do it this way and you've got to do it the way that we've done it before. You know, I, I, I got a question to ask you, and this is, I've got six, six uh, statements, and I'm going to try and get through them as quickly as possible. Statement number one, does the message ever change, or do we need to be changed? Does the message ever change, and we say the message doesn't change, so in order to get the real message out there, we need to see where we're blocking the message from going. We need, we need to be the people that are going to be saying, uh, I don't want to be in the way anymore because I want God's message to go out, which is grace and love and forgiveness and helping others to grow in Christ. So the first one is, do we need to be changed? This is not just a small issue either. And, and I, want you to, I want you to think about the relationships that you have and the conversations that you have. One thing that just bugs the daylights out of me is when, when you hear about things and somebody says to somebody else, this is what I heard this other person did. I hate gossiping. 
I hate talking, hiding, secret things. Let's just get it out in the open and let's just deal with it and move on. But you see here, they were going out and they were just doing their own thing. They were saying, you can't be saved unless you follow these certain rules from, from us Jews. Which Barnabas and Paul knew that wasn't the message. Aren't you thankful that some people are willing to stand up to us and say, you've got the wrong message and you're given the wrong message. You shouldn't have talked to that person like that. You shouldn't have been that way. Your attitude was totally wrong and you should not, they are struggling and they need your love and care, not your judgment about what they're doing. God help us to be people who love and care. Number two, do you get accepted into heaven by your rules or by the rules others have made? Do you get to heaven by your rules or rules that others have made? The answer is no. We don't get to heaven by our rules or anybody else's rules. We get to heaven because of God's rules. And did you know that the Pharisees had, the, this is what's so interesting to me, the Pharisees, if you've ever, I wish I had, I should have put a picture up there, but they have a, a, a little box that they put on their head, and in this box, they've got the, um, I, I think it's the 12 commandments and the Old Testament writing, and they have it in their little box, and this was their way that saying God's, God's word is always on my mind. This was their way, and they would walk. If you take, if there was a picture in uh, that Josiah would be able to pull up, and I'm not asking him to, but he could pull up, and you could see these guys walking around in their in their uh, suit coats and with a box on their head, walking around and and being like, this is the way that it's supposed to be. And they have rules also. The Pharisees had rules. Here's some of the rules. Don't you love it when people have the rules up on the wall and then you walk in and nobody's following the rules and nobody's saying anything about it? And you, then you say, well, what, what is this up here for if we're not going to follow the rules? I, I'm, here's a side note. I, um, I went to a doctor's appointment. This was a year and a half or two years ago. And this was right at the beginning of COVID or the middle of COVID. I don't remember exactly when. But I walked in, and this is a doctor's office, so they were pretty tight with, with the restrictions. And they had right up on the, on the window, they said, uh, do you have any signs of COVID? Do you, have you been tested? And if, do you have cough? Do you have all these things? And they went down through, and I'm reading it, and I'm just looking at it. I had none of those symptoms or anything, and it said, if you have any of these symptoms, you must wear a mask. I didn't have any of the symptoms. I didn't, there was nothing that was going on, and so I pulled down my mask, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm following the rules, and there's, there's the rules that says, here's what you're supposed to do, and um, I walked up, and I said, about how much time, oh, there, there you go, thanks, Josiah, so see the box on top of their head? That's the way that they walk around town saying that this is so important. Okay, thanks. Um, 
And so I read the rule, I pulled down the mask, and I walked up and I said to the secretary, about how much more time? She goes, oh, it's gonna be a couple more minutes. They're just running a little bit behind. Um, and I said, okay. And she said, could you put your mask back up? I said, why? And she said, because that's our rule that you have to have a mask. I said, no, it's not. I said, here's your rules, and here's what all the rules say, and I, didn't, I, I have none of these symptoms. I'm, I'm feeling fine. This is just my follow-up appointment. And she said, well, we need, really need you to have your mask on. I said, okay, and I pulled it up. I went back to the, to the waiting area to where they took me back to a room, and I said to the nurse who came in, I said, do you guys realize that you've got a thing out there on the, on the thing that says here's what the rules are and then you, nobody's following what the rules actually say? And she said, what? And I went through it all with her and, and uh, <laughs> she said, I'm sorry about that. I'll follow up with that. And um, so she left, the doctor came in, we had our little discussion. I had my mask on the whole time. And um, then, uh, then I walked out, guess what? the sign was gone. <laughs> I was cracking up laughing. I was like, here we go. If the rules don't apply, take down the rules. <laughs> so, so I'm just saying sometimes there's rules that are put out that we're not really following. We're not being the way that we should be. And the scriptures give us the highlight of how we're supposed to live our lives. So number two was, do you get accepted into heaven by your rules or the rules others have made? No. Here's some of the rules that the Pharisees had. Hunchbacks must not bend near a church even if it hurts. That was one of their rules. Hunchbacks not, must not bend over even if it hurts. My grandmother had a, a curved art, art back and um, she walked like that as long as I can remember. Probably the last many years of her life. Um, but that was just crazy to me. Here we go. Here's another rule. Lice must not be killed on Shabbat or the Sabbath. You can't kill a lice on, the, on Sunday. Here's another good one. Hebrew newspapers must not be read on the toilet. English is allowed. You're allowed to read an English newspaper, but not a Hebrew newspaper. Jews must not donate organ and organs to a Gentile, but they're allowed to receive them. It is permissible to degrade a woman on a kosher bus line. <laughs> Violence may be used against those who distribute material contrary to the Torah. They had some laws out there that they expected you to follow, but it had nothing to do with the grace and love of God. So some of the sect of the Pharisees rose up and they opposed Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas were, were men that just wanted to see the love of Christ go out to other people. Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, 
but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ, even as we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. We want to be justified by Christ, not by the works of the law. The law says, here's what you do to, to get love from Christ. For the works of the law, there is no flesh shall be justified. So, number three. Are you ready, number three? Number three is, are your rules the same as God's rules? We need to, and this is an important one to me, and because I believe that sometimes we get sidetracked on our, in our own mind, we need to evaluate our beliefs. We need to evaluate what we're going to say and what we're going to do. These are, these are things that I think about. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. Smoking. Do I think smoking's bad? I do. The question that I really want to ask myself is, if somebody's smoking, does that mean they can't go to heaven? Wow. But the way that it's sometimes put out there, there's judgment that's put on people that have poor habits or do something that's wrong. And God wants us to have an attitude of love to where there's going to be changes that are made in their life because God gets into their hearts and helps them to see the changes. He says here, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples? Why are you putting so many restrictions on people being able to tell that God loves other people, that they can't even bear it, and they can't say, um, say things like, well, I really don't agree with this law, but here's what I'm going to tell you what it is. Don't we want to say sometimes, I want you to just love God, read his word, and it's going to open up what God wants you to learn and what God wants you to understand? Changes happen because we see that God doesn't want us to burden other people with our rules as to how you're going to get to heaven. Otherwise, why would it say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Every one of us in this room, we grew up differently. We learned different things. We have different things that ourselves we think about. And yet we need to say, am I doing all I can to be the man or the woman that God wants me to be? Number four, if you notice here at the, at the middle of the section of reading, it says in verse 12, then all the multitude kept silent. Sometimes it's important for us just to shut our mouths and to not think of quick comebacks that, that are going to put somebody down or discourage them. Sometimes you need to just keep your mouth shut. It says that they kept silent, but there was much dispute because there were many that didn't believe what they were saying. But sometimes you have to stop and you have to say, 
what are they really trying to tell me? Let, let's, just, let's just throw out another idea here. Do most people just want to be hateful and mean? Do people not love their children? Do people not um, want to do the best for God? That's what frustrates me about politics is because there's differences between Republicans and Democrats and conservatives and independents and all that. But really, each one, shouldn't we want to just do the best for our families and want us to all grow together and become a better nation and help be helpful and encouraging? God wants us to see that he is in charge and not our rules are in charge. So sometimes we have to just be quiet. It says here that um, the Greek word for Gentiles is ethne. And the Greek word that's used for the, the Jewish people is laos, L-A-O-S. The Jews considered themselves to be laos, the people of God. It was a challenge for them to understand that the ethne, the Gentiles, were going to be the same. But in this scripture, they use the word Laos for both groups of people. Because we are all the same. We are, one in, we are close to one another. So sometimes we have to listen to what they're going, to what they're saying. When this happened, when this happened, um, we see that, that, that they finally got across to these two men and the, the Pharisees that there had to be some changes and no longer were you allowed to just go out and do your own thinking of what the doctrine was. They made specific requirements to say, here's what it's going to be. You know, sometimes the scripture... Um, how many of you know people that know, know things about the Bible? Quote, quote the Bible. They can say things. Uh, yesterday, the, the pastor and I was on a fishing boat, and the captain of the boat said, um, there was, we were having problem getting some fish, and he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Quote, quote right out of Job chapter 1. Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. And I looked at him, and I was like, you know, that's a real easy thing to say. And then I, I spoke up, and I said, but do you know what this is all, that was all about? It's not about God's taking things away from you. The whole point of that story is that Job, in chapter 1, he says, the Lord gives. He had seven kids. He had buku land and animals and all that kind of stuff. And then he, uh, the Lord allowed it to be taken away. And then the third part of that saying is, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, I'm still going to praise God for what he does. And when I told that guy that, he goes, oh. I said, so it's not about giving and taking. It says we're all going to have struggles. We're going to have deep difficulties in our life but even though those those struggles are going on 
we can still say praise God for who he is, praise God for what he does, praise God that he gave me all that I do have. Praise God that he's helped me through the situations that I am going through when I'm going through the struggles of life. So blessed be the name of the Lord. So number five, here we go. Number five, don't offend others with your beliefs. It says here that they shared some things that they weren't supposed to do. To abstain from things by polluted by idols, to abstain from sexual immorality, um, to abstain from things about eating meat and all that kind of stuff. You know, here's the general consensus of what this scripture is telling us in this area right here. It's coming directly from Leviticus chapter 18. And this is say, if you have a friend, I'm, I'm concising this, if you have a friend that you know they don't eat meat, don't take them a meat casserole and say, this is for your family. If you know they don't eat meat, then you don't do that. You put, it, you put a vegetable casserole together or something else. None of us would think about taking something that offended somebody. This is saying, be the person that doesn't go a purposefully offending other people by your rules. Now, does that mean that if somebody brings a, a, a something over and says, I made this for our dinner tonight, and it doesn't have meat on it. And are we supposed to then look at it and go, ooh, it doesn't have meat, I ain't gonna taste that. It's the same way, it's just being a polite person to try and help to understand. And I'll tell you what, my sister-in-law, um, their family has different dietary restrictions. And so she brings things that I'm like, Man, that's cool. That's different than what I'm used to, but it's, it's a nice taste and everything. And uh, I'm thankful for the differences in the things that I can eat. But you see, they were saying, don't, don't do it purposefully to drop somebody else and make them feel bad. Okay, number six. Give love of Christ to all people with no restrictions. So when they were sent off, they didn't go back to the people, and they didn't say, you know what? These guys that came here before, they're a bunch of liars, and you need to be on our side, and you need to follow what we're telling you. No, they didn't. They just went back and said, you know, we had a discussion. We got this all cleared up. There was some misinformation. Here we go. This is what's going on from now on, and the people rejoiced, and the people were happy. You know, we need to love all people, no matter what they're dealing with, because God can help them to be drawn closer to, um, to him. Okay, here's my closing, closing story. On Monday morning, February 2008, every sports page in the world heralded the New York Giants astonishing Super Bowl upset over the undefeated New England Patriots. And the big story within the story, Giants head coach Tom Coughlin pulled off this shocker with being nice. Entering the season with his boss grumbling, 
He's our coach this year. We'll see what happens after that. Coughlin decided he needed a makeover change for leadership. So Jackie McMullen of the Boston Globe reported an incident that took place on media day 72 hours before the big game. And this was the story that came out. A boy no more than eight or nine years old was handed the microphone and he made a beeline toward Giants coach Tom Coughlin, who spotting the junior inquisitor leaned over in an almost grandfatherly fashion and tenderly attended to his question. Hey, I hear you've been a lot nicer this year. Because he had a real gruff, you know, people like to have the real gruff exterior and they come across and he said, I hear you've been a lot nicer this year, said the child. Who put you up to that? Said the coach to gales of laughter. Then the coach said, you know, after going eight and eight last year in the 2007 season, Tom Coughlin met with his veteran players. They told him that he yelled too much. He communicated too little. He listened barely at all. Veteran player Michael Strahan calls the change a transformation. Sometimes I can barely recognize him. And that was in January of 2008. Tom Coughlin spent three years trying to change his players. It didn't work. So he decided to change himself. And that's when his players changed because of the difference in him. Now they're all supporting Super Bowl rings because of the change that he made. You know, sometimes changes need to be made, not in them, but in us. God help me not to hide from the changes that need to be made in my life to be closer to him. Would you stand with me?